This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. How many of you listening today understand the importance of communication as a necessary skill in your job, whether that be mid-level manager, someone working the desk at the post office or in the C-suite? The ability to communicate well can be the difference between having a good career and a great one. Author Carmine Gallo looks at the need to communicate well in his book, Five Stars, The Communication Secrets to Get from Good to Great, and he joins us on the show right now. Carmine, welcome. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. So, I mean, this is not necessarily a new idea, and it's certainly not a new idea for me being in a communication field to begin with, uh, but, but the shift of the need of it being so important – why and how has it really transformed in the last few years? Because great persuaders are irresistible, as you've known throughout all of history. But at no time in our historical record have interpersonal communication skills been as important as they are today, uh, which is somewhat counterintuitive, Dan, and, and that's what caught my interest, and that's why I wrote the book. Because today, anyone, anywhere in the world who is better at expressing their ideas can see a sudden massive increase in wealth that is unprecedented in human history. In the agrarian age, a farmer who plowed the field a little better than their neighbor could not acquire significantly more wealth. In the industrial age, a factory worker who assembled widgets faster than the person next to them would not acquire significantly more wealth. But historians, economists, entrepreneurs, venture capitalists who, I've ta- who I talked to for the book all profess the same theme that today, in this age of artificial intelligence, globalization, automation, that the one skill that can separate you, not only from the technology that we create, but from your peers, is mastering the ancient art of persuasion, combining words and ideas to ignite people's imagination. Uh, you bring up a great point on the digital society that we live in right now, because, you know, so many of us, well, I mean, I would guess pretty much everybody listening to us right now has a smartphone. Uh, they communicate a good bit with their friends and family via text uh, instead of making that phone call or sending them a letter. We, we see a lot of this in the business community as well. And we have really become reliant to a degree at times, almost like a crutch of using digital and taking away that person-to-person connection, which, which obviously is part of the impact here. Well, what's fascinating to me is that you just brought it up. The tools we use to communicate to one another have changed. And let's also include the digital presentation tools we use, like PowerPoint. Though We're not drawing uh, pictures on cave walls as we did thousands of years ago. So the tools have changed. But what's fascinating and, and the competitive advantage that I talk about is the ancient brain, the primitive brain, has not changed. Right. So the way we like to communicate, the way we process information, and the way you and your listeners like to receive information through the vehicle of story, through emotion, through empathy, those things have not changed since the beginning of time. But the tools we use have changed. That's why I call mastering the ancient art of persuasion as a competitive skill, because it is an ancient art. We just need to bring it back into the business fold. So how much do you think now companies are aware of this and, and they actually factor this in, even in their hiring processes? 
much more than you think. Uh, and, and this, again, is something that prompted this book. I, didn't just, I don't just write these books out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> I kind of I feel what's going on. I talk to executives. I talk to CEOs. What's happening out there in, in the industry? Um, there is, for example, in, at SAP, giant business software company that's global, uh, they just hired a relatively new marketing manager in the last year. But her title is chief storyteller. So what she does is she yep. recognizes and storytelling. This goes back goes back to Aristotle two thousand years ago. This is not new. But what they're finding is that they cannot compete by uh, giving you engineering terms and talking to you about business software that is so complex that it's hard for the average person to understand. So they use now the vehicle of story of narrative to better sell those products. I also found this at Google, which is a giant data company. Um, one of the top executives at Google, who is also a, the leading web analytics expert in the world, Avinash Kashik, who I interviewed for my book, said that, Carmine, we can have all the data in the world. We can have better data than anyone else. But if we cannot communicate that data to a customer and show them how it applies to their world and makes their business better, then we have failed. Then all that data doesn't matter to our company, which is why he and others at Google, within Google, are transforming their entire culture into being better storytellers, being better communicators, more right. persuasive, and packaging information Dan, in a way that is clear and understandable and memorable. But when you actually when you look at how they're doing it, they're not using anything new. They're using skills that were handed down to us thousands of years ago. Well, that, 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 that's why I call it ancient. That that storytelling aspect that that, that you talk about in the book, you, you uh, talked in part with Richard Branson uh, of uh, of uh, Virgin Everything, basically uh, yeah. about how he loves. Storytelling, and he thinks it's a key component in business. Oh, he goes even further. He says storytelling can be used to drive change. But then he said, uh, Carmine, I do not believe you could be a great leader today, a great leader, without being a good storyteller. How does Richard Branson and his team use storytelling? Right. Well, it, it, the same way we did thousands of years ago. He gathers his team around a fire pit. <laughs> around a campfire. Right, right. At his, now, it's a nice fire pit. It's at his home on Necker Island. It's a little different. But he says those are the best ideas. He said the best ideas for our company have come around a campfire. And that's, that, that was a critical conversation for me, Dan, because that's when I realized, oh, my goodness, we haven't changed that much. Right. The human brain has not changed. And, and that's why the more you understand how the brain processes information and how, we, and how your listener wants to receive that information, that's where I believe there's that competitive advantage to stand out. Author, author Carmine Gallo joining us here on the show. His book, Five Stars, The Communication Secrets to Get from Good to Great. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. What's interesting is that, and I don't know how prevalent it is now because you're talking about, to a degree, a change that's going on, uh, but storytelling has kind of been there throughout. But you also have had a lot of people that are, are the no-nonsense get right to the point, I don't need the story, give me the facts type of things. Are those people, to a degree, dwindling out a little bit? Oh, great point. This is why I 
focus uh, very much on Aristotle's three-part formula for persuasion. Okay. Uh, Aristotle, 2,000 years ago, gave us the formula that all persuaders use today, uh, from the founding fathers to uh, today's great business leaders to Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King. If you look at all great speeches or great presentations, all of them will fall under a three-part formula. So very quickly for all of your listeners, very simple. In order for me to persuade you to change your mind of anything, I need to do three things. I need to have ethos, which is credibility for, and, and character. I need to have what Aristotle called logos, which is a logical structure to my argument. To me, in business, that means the data, the evidence to back up your argument. Sure. But, and this is the key, and this is where we lose sight of it in business today, especially in our PowerPoint culture, you cannot persuade, you cannot persuade another person to change their mind without pathos, which is emotion, <laughs> connecting with people on a deep emotional level. Yeah. And, and, as you, and as you know well, Dan, everything about human nature, uh, from, the, from the stock market to where we invest to, to how we vote, everything is based on our emotional narratives that we tell each other as groups and within individuals. So you cannot persuade without emotion, but you still need the other two parts. It's a three-part formula. I can't just appeal to you on emotion. I mean, that might work for a limited amount of time, but I'm not going to sell you a, a multi-million dollar project if I don't have a logical evidence to back my results, and if I don't have some credibility for who I am, maybe my, my credentials or my background with other clients and mm -hmm. projects. So it's a three-part formula that has been handed down for generations. We're just <laughs> losing sight of it because we just want to get across our bullet points, our facts, our information, and our in our in our pie charts without understanding that people are moved by emotion. Well, and, and part of it, you talk about also the, this idea of, of not only the storytelling but the presentation uh, of you know when when somebody's giving a presentation in a you know in an office setting, you want that to, to have you know quite the flavor to it, but you also don't want it to just be this this endless run on of numbers and and, and data points that will lose the attention of the person the other people that are in that meeting. I learned something a couple of books ago. I've written several books on communication skills, but a few books ago I interviewed a molecular biologist who I believe may have been on your show a long time ago. His name is John Medina at the University of Washington. Yeah, and yeah. He, he yeah. opened my eyes. He said, Carmine, the brain does not pay attention to boring things. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah. The brain does yeah. not pay attention to boring things, which is why people like TED Talks, you know, because TED Talks do have – uh, visual presentation. Um, it's not all text and bullet points. In fact, bullet points are not allowed on a TED stage. Um, and uh, they are based in narrative and story and compelling visuals and interesting uh, narratives. Uh, that it takes some creativity. It's real easy to open a PowerPoint slide and just fill out bullet points and text. That's easy. What we're talking about is is ancient. It's part of our DNA. It's what we do naturally. But it does take some creativity. It takes a little extra thought of how to incorporate what we do naturally and bring it into a business setting. How do you think that then this, these uh, these communication skills and and need for them are impacting how companies view? 
their daily operations these days. I, I would think there's a little bit of a, a transformation going on uh, because of the fact that I, I, I think people at, at times take for granted that communication is still a, a critical skill. I call it a communication skills gap. So, you know, we talk sure. about the skills yeah. gap a yeah. lot. I call it a communication skills gap. Uh, there was a well, one of the many uh, interview, one of the many surveys that I cite is one by uh, taken. I think it was by LinkedIn HR and HR recruiters and hiring managers from around the world. Ninety four percent said that a person with good experience but exceptional uh, communication skills is more likely to be elevated to a position of leadership than someone with better experience and more experience, but with weaker verbal skills. And so, and this is, that was only one of many, many studies and surveys which I found, and also very real evidence of people who, whether they're millennials or mid-level career professionals or leaders, who not only have been elevated above their peers, but they're promoted more often, they rise higher in the ranks much, much more quickly, Uh, they're more successful at selling products and marketing, and also engaging teams. The difference, almost always, comes down to the fact that they are better leaders, but what does that mean? They are more persuasive, they're better communicators, they can connect with people on a much deeper, powerful level. Well, in, in part of your book, though, I mean, you, you, as you say, you talk with a lot of people that are executives and, and leaders within companies, but you also spend some time talking with Navy SEALs as well. And, and that's, a, that's a much yes. different type of leadership. And obviously, when you're talking about some of the, 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 the things that the Navy SEALs have to do, the communication is as critical as, as anything that they do. I have spoken not only to Navy SEALs, but about five different uh, divisions within the military in the last couple of years, people contacting me. Right. Uh, but the Navy, Navy SEALs are interesting, okay, because they value leaders and they create, build leaders who can clearly and concisely communicate the vision behind a strategic mission or a, uh, an initiative. And so they call them PowerPoint Rangers. There's some people who are just PowerPoint Rangers. They, they, they give you these hundred-deck PowerPoints, and everything's very confusing and convoluted, yeah. much, like, much like what we do in business today. Yeah. Yeah. And yet the, the leaders who are valued, who stand out, and who are trained are those ones who must communicate their vision visually, so they use presentations in a much more visual medium. They have to be very, very clear so everybody understands the mission immediately, and they have to do it in a concise fashion. Uh, and so that, that's a training that goes on. It's an actual training within the Navy SEAL culture. Uh, it's not enough. It's not enough just to be able to pass Hell Week, what, the, you know, what they call it Hell Week. <laughs> yeah. It's not enough just to pass the physical requirements. You have to be a good communicator leader in order to get the most out of your teams. And I have found that not only within Navy SEALs, I found it within Special Forces, I found it within a, several other branches of the military who have contacted me, and I found that there's an entire chapter there with NASA astronauts. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. You cannot become an astronaut, <clears throat> excuse me, you cannot become an astronaut today just by passing the physicals or just by having a Ph.D., and uh, or being a test pilot. Those are the credentials. That's the ethos we talked about. You've got to have the credentials. 
But if you cannot communicate and collaborate across cultures and across teams on a space station where you're stationed for one year with a small group of people, they're still not going to hire you. So those 12 people that are hired out of 18,000 applications are typically good communicators, and they go through a process at NASA to weed them out. Author Arthur Carmine Gallo joining us here on the show. His book, Five Stars, The Communication Secrets to Get from Good to Great. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send a comment via Twitter at BizRadio132, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Getting back to the business side of it for a second, and the communication part of it obviously is is very important in terms of the company and the corporate uh, structure that goes on and the success within the uh, the company on a day-to-day basis. But people forget at times how much it actually impacts the product or the, the service that that company uh, will actually be trying to sell or, or use out in the marketplace, the brand building. It, there, there are so many pieces to it that are, are natural connections that people sometimes forget about. And that's why we talk about this idea that it's the great persuaders who stand out. I have had venture capitalists behind, uh, billionaire venture capitalists behind Google, Airbnb, Uber, uh, PayPal. I'm just thinking about some of the uh, people who I've interviewed. And to a person, they all say the same thing, but one person in particular said, Carmine, the great persuaders have an unfair competitive advantage. Because when you are pitching an idea, Dan, most of what we're doing is pitching ideas. Yeah. They're not even fully formed uh, products, especially in early stage venture capital. Or within companies, you're pitching an idea uh, that this is what we're going to try to engage our team. This is what we're going to try in our next quarter. Those, it's still an idea. Uh, so 90% of what we're communicating is an expectation of what we hope to achieve. So we have to bring you into our vision. And it's the great, today more than ever, entrepreneurs and business leaders need to be able to excite people about a vision and to bring people into that journey. Uh, And and that's a skill that sets people apart. yeah. I was going to say, and, and it's as you mentioned with, with entrepreneurs, it, it becomes incredibly important considering uh, the, the percentage of, of entrepreneurial ideas that end up failing and, and how communication could be the difference at times between that failure and success. Well, Alan Alda, who's also the actor Alan Alda, is really into communication. He wrote a, he wrote a book just on communication skills in, in science, and he said you might think it's an exaggeration that bad communication is killing people. But I don't think it is. I'm being serious. Okay. Uh, and it's because if science isn't communicated well, if, if new research isn't communicated well, a lot of great ideas will fall by the wayside. We won't even implement those ideas because they're not communicated effectively. So I understand, I understand his point. Uh, but, and, and Dan, just to kind of round it out, uh, I'll never forget when I, while I was researching this book, I used the phrase to, to a venture capitalist who invested in Airbnb B. It's, a, it's a seed accelerator called Y Combinator, yeah. very well-known yeah. in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So I was talking to one of the partners, uh, Jeff Ralston, and he corrected me. He corrected me, the communication guy. <laughs> I said, I said I, Jeff, I know we're talking about a soft skill here. And he stopped me. He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, public speaking, communication, it, you know, we, consider, we call them soft skills. 
And he said, you might consider it a soft skill. I consider it fundamental. And he was serious. So yeah. that, that, that he corrected me. And that's why I say at no time in history has interpersonal communication been as important. And let's get away from calling it a soft skill. The art of persuasion, combining words and ideas to move people to action, is not a soft skill in today's global environment. It's fundamental to your success. Carmine, thanks very much for your time today. Uh, all the best with the book. Dan, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Carmine Gallo. The book, again, is Five Stars, The Communication Secrets to Get from Good to Great. Right, having him joining us on the show. That book, uh, by the way, available in bookstores and online for your purchase. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 